The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rake. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. Must be 21 or older and in Nevada to legally enter. Circa Sports encourages responsible gaming. All rights reserved. What's up? This Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. This is the 35th episode of Season 3. Today, we are breaking down fantasy football injuries, talking about guys like Staquan Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, and more, and how their past injury history could impact this upcoming season. I'm obviously not qualified to give this analysis, so joining me today to break this all down is a man who is a board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist and physical therapist, but more importantly for fantasy, he is the lead writer, injury expert, and DFS analyst for the fantasy footballers. With over 22,000 followers on Twitter, he is Matthew Betts. Welcome back to the show, Matt. What's up, man? I appreciate you having me on. It's it's good to be back, and I love when I can do repeat shows with different podcasts around the industry. Uh, usually it means I didn't screw it up too bad the first time around, so I'm excited <laughs> to come back on and talk with you today. Uh, a lot about a lot of injuries and a lot of these guys are big name players that you know we got to get people some advice on so i'm excited to talk about it today yeah absolutely and i i wanted to get you on for this this show today more than anything because this will be my final injury outlooks episode for this season and i actually don't think there's anyone in the entire industry that is better than you are at explaining these types of injuries again that's not disrespect to anybody else there's a lot of people that do a really great job but as someone that does not understand all the fancy medical terms I think that you are able to explain it in the language that I understand more than some other people. So with that being said, we actually talked about this player first when I had you on a year ago. We were talking about him first once again, but it is Saquon Barkley. Second year coming off a torn ACL. Should we be concerned about all the wear and tear and the fact that Saquon hasn't played a full season really since his rookie year? Or do you think that we have some optimism for him this year? So how how should we be looking at Saquon right now? Yeah, I think the story for Saquon really comes down to kind of looking at last year versus this year and saying, okay, last year he was a player that I remember you and I talked about this. You know, he had the meniscus and the ACL surgery on October 30th. So when you're looking at his recovery entering the 2021 season, you know, he basically was further behind the eight ball, so to speak, than he is obviously entering this year. And we know players generally when they enter year one off the ACL surgery, and this is just for eight straightforward ACLs. This doesn't even add in extra tissue damage that when they enter in year one, it doesn't go as well typically than it does in year two. There's a lot of studies. I just published one looking at um, fantasy points per game, elusive rating, yards after contact per attempt. And across the board, the efficiency metrics go up in year two. So last year where Saquon was going based off of his ADP at the back of round one, when you take him at that spot, you are taking him to be Saquon Barkley and there is no room for error. But it's in my opinion, it was just kind of one of those situations where it was a little egregious to expect that from him. And the ADP didn't really align this year, you know, early in the offseason, if you're playing best ball, you can get him in round three. And you talk about relative risk based off ADP round three, Saquon in year two off the ACL compared to round one off the ACL in, your, in um, round one. No question about it. I'm in 
this year compared to where he was going last year. So, yeah, I mean, is it a concern that he hasn't played a ton in the last couple of years? Of course, you know, you don't want to see that trend. But when you're talking about confidence level in Saquon Barkley in year one versus year two, this year, light years ahead of where he was last year. That's awesome. And do you think the ankle injury is also something that we shouldn't have to worry about? Because not only like what you said, he was behind the eight ball, but, you know, by week three or four last year, he looked awesome. You know, and it wasn't until he stepped on a guy's foot that like he he went down. But I think he actually would have had a quite a resurgence very early on last year. So you think that we should have no worries about the ankle or AC? Like obviously there will always be a little bit of worry, but we shouldn't have like a lot too much caution for where he's going in drafts right now. Is that the right the right way to put it? Yeah, that's the perfect way to put it in my opinion right. because the ankle issue, you know, in season definitely plagued him. Don't doubt about it. And I agree with you. He was on his way. We saw the the workload slowly each week kind of get ramped up and ramped up and then steps on his foot. So if, if people are willing to hold that against him, that seems a little unfair. Uh, that's a typical basketball type of injury where, you know, you go up for a layup or something, come down someone's foot, roll your ankle in season. It can bother people, you know, players, but with a full off season for that to heal, that should be a non-issue moving forward. Yeah, one, one other question with Saquon real quick before we move on. Someone on Twitter the other day when I, I put out a tweet about Saquon Barkley and someone was like, there's no way Saquon could ever be good. His muscles are way too big for his joints and like that means he'll get injured. Is that a thing where like players can just be overly muscular? Is Saquon that someone that we should worry about for being overly muscular that it makes him more injury prone? I don't know. I just figured I would ask. Yeah, no, there's not a lot of merit to that. Okay. Uh, more noise than anything for sure. Okay. I mean – at some point, it hits a tipping point where the athleticism comes down if you're okay. too big. But, I mean, for an NFL running back, he's right where we want him to be, and he looks great. Okay, that, that is exactly what I wanted to hear. I'm so excited for Saquon this year. Another guy that's coming off a, a second year of the torn ACL is, is Cortland Sutton. So I know running backs are different than wide receivers. So with the, the mechanisms of how they run routes and how they're different than running backs, should we also be fully confident with Cortland Sutton? Because he didn't have a great year last year, but you know Russell Wilson is there. He's in the second year coming off that torn ACL. So should we have like temper expectations at all because he plays a different position than Saquon? Or are you confident in what Sutton's going to be able to do for this year? Yeah, it's really interesting when you look at like you said, the running back versus the wide receiver position. And in general, we can have more confidence in players coming off an ACL injury if they play wide receiver in year one yeah. you know, versus running back. Now, of course, Cortland Sutton coming off of year two should give us even more confidence that this, this guy can perform. And I actually think can outperform his ADP. I wrote an article about a month ago, uh, a short list of guys that could, in theory, be this year's Cooper Cup. And that's just ridiculous to even say because that's not going to happen because he had the best wide receiver season of all time. But, you know, you look at uh, the criteria that I laid out, and it's a guy who disappointed people the year before because of the ACL issue, big-time upgrade at quarterback, and the opportunity to dominate targets. When you see players succeed off the ACL surgery at wide receiver, there seems to be a correlation, not only in talent, obviously, and opportunity, but can they dominate a target share? And Cortland Sutton, if he can do that with Russell Wilson, I think absolutely in year two off the ACL, you know, you can tell yourself a story where he's a top 12 wide receiver. Uh, certainly, I think that is in the range of outcomes this year. I love that. What about players that are coming off like year, year one of the, you know, ACL? Like J.K. Dobbins is someone that I think he just got cleared off the pup list um, as we were recording this yesterday. Um, people see this episode on Friday, but is someone like J.K. Dobbins now that he's cleared in camp, like in, in early August, like how should we be tempering our expectations where he's going in drafts right now based off the first year coming off an ACL injury? Yeah, we kind of talked about it with Saquon. You know, in general, we should temper expectations, especially early in the season for a player like J.K. Dobbins. And when I talked about Saquon from 2020 injury entering 2021, the 
part of the reason I was a little bit more down on him last year was because it wasn't just the ACL, it was the meniscus. So for J.K. Dobbins, we're talking about those same two tissues, you know, your ACL, your meniscus, but also the LCL, which is the ligament that sits on the outside of the knee. And whenever you have a multi-ligament injury adding in the meniscus, it slows down your rehab and recovery to meet quote unquote standard recovery timelines. So you'll often hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, if it's just an ACL, we can expect them back on the field in about nine months or about 10 months, depending on the study that you'll read. Um, and that's definitely true. But now you're looking at a player who has these three tissues combined, making it a much complicated, much slower recovery. You can't do the things that you would normally do if it was just an ACL at the same timeline. So for example, usually we expect athletes to start running around three months after an ACL injury. With this other stuff added in, maybe it's four months or five months, depending on how it goes. And I think looking at where we're at right now, he just got cleared off the pup, you know, basically a year out. And if this was just a straightforward ACL, he would be much further ahead than where he is at right now. Uh, the video of him from yesterday when he got cleared, I think tells us a lot of information about where he's at. And while him getting cleared off pup is a good sign for his availability to enter the season, you know, clearly when he puts his foot on the ground on the left versus the right, there is a massive difference. So it's not that J.K. Dobbins can't get there this year. It's just that right now he's nowhere close to 100%. And, you know, the clock's ticking for week one. So if you're asking me, you know, the same ADP, J.K. Dobbins or a player going right after him, like I'll probably side with the player going right after him. It's a, a tough sell for me because I know there's a good chance that he's going to be more productive, you know, November, December compared to September, October. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised if we saw a similar run to what he did his rookie year. You know, down the stretch, we got a lot of things, but it's still an offense that doesn't target their running backs almost right. at all. Like, I don't think they're – since Lamar has been the quarterback, their running backs in total have seen over, like, 55 targets between every running back, let alone one running back. I think the most targeted running back was Mark Ingram a few years ago who had about 30 targets. So, when getting 30 targets, he's coming off the ACL injury. We don't know exactly what he's going to look like. A little bit of optimism. I'm avoiding J.K. Dobbins. Again, talent is there. The player is there. He's in a nice offense, but – just a couple of things where I would rather take someone else going around that ADP. One other guy also coming off the torn ACL for the first year. You said that with Cortland Sutton, wide receivers that are usually the first year, you can, you can be a little bit more confident in a wide receiver than a running back coming off a torn ACL. We've heard a lot of things about Chris Godwin, about you know this ACL recovery, that he's going to be back for week one. He's not going to be back for week one. We've seen a lot of things. Where do you fall on this? Because he, you know, he was the first guy in – team drills the other day but we've also heard okay he's coming back a little bit you know under that nine month mark that people usually talk about so where where do you fall on the, the chris godwin you know he could be healthy early in the season train yeah it's, it's going to be a really tricky conversation because i think there's possibilities for it to happen i just think the most likely outcome is that we get the best football from chris godwin you know the second half of the year basically and the reason i say that is because we often think about ACL recovery from when the player was injured, but what often goes missed in the casual fantasy player's mind when they're looking at these things is that the surgery is sometimes delayed to allow um, things to heal, allow the swelling to go down. So for Chris Godwin, he had the ACL and the MCL. The surgeons decided to let the MCL heal, heal without surgery, then go in and do the ACL surgery, which was about a month or so after when he had his injury. It was on, on January 3rd for his surgery. So Right now, as we talk, we're basically kind of about seven months, just a little over exactly. So for seven months, I think he's doing great. Is he going to be 100% when they kick things off in week one? I don't think that's likely. Doesn't mean he can't be active and play. I just I just don't think we're going to see the same Chris Godwin that we know for fantasy because it's so early in that timeline um, until the second half of the year. Now, that said, 
you know, he's definitely the type of player that could be an outlier. You know, those things do happen. It's just that when you're talking about an odds and a probability game, you know, give me a, a different wide receiver that's going to be healthy to enter the year compared to Goblin, who I do think can be good, but probably down the stretch versus, uh, you know, the first month. So with that, with that being said, and I think that part of this probably also goes back to draft strategy, which would be, which would be my answer before I even ask you, but like Chris Godwin right now is going as the wide receiver 28, you know, in underdog drafts and any other year, they'd be like, Oh my God, like that's, that's the, you know, the a value that I'm, I'm slamming every day of the week. But with the fact that he might not be, you know, the Chris Godwin we know and love early in the season, and he could be great down the stretch. Is he someone that you're getting shares of at wide receiver 28 because the potential that he could be healthy early and then he could have a nice down the stretch? Are you saying we really don't know what to expect? And if you want to bank on your playoff weeks, then I don't know. I'd rather take other guys around that range. So where do you fall on that? Yeah. So for Chris Godwin, in, in terms of best ball, honestly, like it probably depends on your roster construction yeah. as well as like who you took early. You know, can you yep. embrace the risk or did you go running backs early and took an elite tight end? Like you can't really embrace that risk as much. Yep. Now, of course, if it's a huge tournament, like there's so much uncertainty and there's so much that has to go right for you anyway. Like I'm in on taking some shots on Chris Godwin. I personally have, have taken the approach that, you know, for Godwin, if there's someone else in my league who wants to come up and get him around early or with this news is very excited about him and wants to go up and get him early, like they can have him is kind of my approach. I'll take him when he's at or past ADP, but he's not a guy that I'm aggressively trying to target ahead of ADP at this point. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm in. I'm in the exact same boat there. Like you said, with with depends on your team. Like Chris Godwin's going in round six through eight, so it depends who I take with the first five picks. You know, if I you know draft an anchor running back, or hammer some other wide receivers, Chris Godwin's sitting there. I'm like, okay, let me grab some upside. You know, because I'm yeah. in a good position. Sure, but like you said, if you're going, you know, quarterback, running back, tight end, running back, and Chris Godwin's going to end up being your wide receiver one or two. I I might pivot, you know, somewhere else. So I I like that take. That is a great thing on Chris Godwin. Before we move on to the next player, Christian McCaffrey, I want to tell you about a new company called FantasySportsDocs.com. They're doing something no one has ever seen before in the fantasy industry, affordable 30 for 30 style documentaries for your fantasy league playoffs. The prices start at less than $20 per team in a standard 10 or 12 team league. They have a super easy to use video interview platform that only takes three to five minutes per round for each playoff team. Just imagine for me that it's your year. Trophies and belts don't tell your championship story, but a fantasy sports documentary does. Make sure to check them out at fantasysportsdocs.com today. And now back to some Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is like the ultimate debate where if you say that I don't want Christian McCaffrey this year, people think you're crazy. If you say I do want Christian McCaffrey this year, they think you're crazy. And if you say I'm neutral about where he goes, there are still people that think you're crazy. He's had hamstring injuries, shoulder injuries, ankle injuries, but he's never had something like a torn ACL or a torn Achilles or just like blowing out his entire body. And again, I sorry, Christian, for saying that. I hope that doesn't jinx you. You know, we'll knock on wood, but he has a lot of different things that have happened, smaller ailments. So should we be fading Christian McCaffrey at all because he's had so many touches and like the rule of 1500 and that, you know, it means his body is bound to break down after that. Or do you think that we should have a little bit more confidence because these haven't been super serious injuries? Yeah. I mean, the, the reality with Christian McCaffrey is there's no other player in fantasy that can do what he does. And yeah. so if you're, if you're playing to win your league, <laughs> I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. If I have the 1.01, I've done it every time I'm on the clock or the 1.02 when he falls, it's an auto pick for me. Um, the risk associated with him 
doesn't match his upside. And so, yes, he comes with risk. You know, he's missed a bunch of time over the last couple of years. He has, uh, you know, some lower body injuries that kind of can pile up on you when you get a a bunch of touches. So, yes, it comes with risk. But we give these guys a lot of, you know, a hard time, basically. We give these guys a, a hard time for not being able to stay on the field. There was a study a couple of years ago looking at all NFL games. Less than 2% of every game in football is injury-free. So this sport is so demanding, especially on the running back position. You're embracing that risk whenever you take a running back in round one. And when I look at the archetype of, of running back that I want to you know, have on my team, it's obviously the player that can carry the football. But also, if they're going to get a ton of volume that you potentially could be concerned with that quote-unquote wear and tear, like the same number of touches that Christian McCaffrey will see throughout his career does not equal the same risk as just an early down grinder type of back like Derrick Henry uh, in his career. So there's some studies looking at that, that these pass catching backs can kind of stay more viable longer in their career. He's still not that old. He still kind of has a couple years in that window. So yeah, he's missed some time, but I'm still taking him based off the fact that his injury pattern to me doesn't really cause a lot of concern, meaning you know, it's not the same knee or the same hamstring every time. It's kind of been the hamstring and then the shoulder and, you know, kind of this and that throughout the time. So, yeah, for me, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey if I have the 1.01. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is that, like, Christian McCaffrey over the last three years averaged 26.5 PPR fantasy points per game. That last – that overall last year was 15, ludicrous. 15% <laughs> better than Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor was the clear running back one by a lot. And Christian McCaffrey's average over the last three years is still 15% better. If that doesn't do it for you, fine. It's Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Christian McCaffrey scored 31%, you know, more fantasy points per game than Leonard Fournette, who finishes the running back five last year. That's Leonard Fournette's points per game average compared to McCaffrey's. 30% better than the running back five in fantasy football. It's just ridiculous. And again, the, the thing that I think you highlighted that's the most important thing here is if if you if Christian McCaffrey burned you and you don't want to draft him, that is okay. You can draft someone else. Like I'm not going to hate on anybody for it. But if you're playing in a league with anywhere from seven to like 15 other humans and you want your best chance to win, you best believe I'm drafting Christian McCaffrey because no one has a higher ceiling. He also has the highest fantasy points per game start in NFL history. You know, so far, I know he's only 25, so that'll probably, you know, go down a little bit. But again, pretty interesting. Christian McCaffrey is still the best running back you can take in fantasy football right now. Going back to you mentioned that Christian McCaffrey had a hamstring injury. Mike Evans, you know, is also dealing with some some hamstring trouble, you know, early in camp. And he's had a little bit of a history of some previous hamstring strains. So with hamstrings themselves, is that something that can reoccur a little bit over time? Mike Evans also just injured it. I mean, it is early August, but the season is still within a month away. So is that something to worry about, you know, come draft season when he's still dealing with this and like he's only a month removed from the hamstring injury potentially after this is over? So should we be fading Mike Evans at all? I think based off the way they're talking about it right now is I'm not super concerned as far as his season-long outlook or week one availability because of the fact that they've been saying it's so minor, it's day-to-day, you know. And, of course, that could just be them speaking. We don't really know. Um, And we don't get as much information as we do weekly in season. So if it is as mild as they're saying, if they kind of give him the proper recovery that's associated in rehab for the first couple of weeks here, that's when the biggest risk of re-injury is. So for Mike Evans, you know, if you're drafting in two or three weeks, like we just want to make sure he doesn't have kind of a setback to give you some concern for how he he performs early in the year. So as of now, I'm not changing how I view him um, as far as his outlook. You'll see these soft tissue injuries pop up every year like we do 
in the first two weeks of camp, the highest injury rates happen. And it's because, you know, our bodies get really good at adapting to different stressors. And when you're training, you know, working out, running, agilities, whatever, throughout the offseason, it, it just can't replicate the same demand that actually playing sports has on your body. And obviously, we see that with football. When these guys get in training camp, they pick up a ton of these soft tissue injuries. So you'll see that year after year after year. And so for Mike Evans for 2022, as long as you don't see anything happen in the next month, like I'm still drafting him, you know, status quo. Now, that said, he di is a guy that does have some risk associated with him because of these recurring hamstring strains. Like you said, he's got a, a handful of them throughout his career as a pro. Um, and so maybe, you know, if you're if you're trying to minimize overall risk on your roster, let's say you did take, um, you know, Christian McCaffrey and you're concerned about him, like maybe you don't want to take Mike Evans in round two and yeah. then also take like Cam Akers two or three rounds later where there's more risk kind of like. So I'm I'm comfortable taking Mike Evans. I'm just looking at the overall kind of complexion of my roster when evaluating risk. I think that's the biggest thing that it comes with not only injuries, but just fantasy football in general that gets overlooked is, is it just your team building. Like yeah. you can ask about any player and there's a you can make a real case to take any player with almost any type of roster and you can make a place against almost any player with a certain kind of roster that you're drafting. It just depends what it looks like and how these different guys fit. I still really like Mike Evans this year, but I don't know. I think Julio has some sneaky upside. I'm definitely drafting Julio the most out of these Bucks pass catchers right now. Another guy that's going near the top of drafts right now is, is Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, we're playing 17 games in a season now. Dalvin Cook has yet to play more than 14 games in a season. When he's on the field, he is amazing. But he's had a number of these like shoulder dislocation type injuries, I think if I have that correct. So are these shoulder injuries something to be concerned about? Should we also be concerned about this guy has never played close to a – I mean, I don't, I don't know about close, but has never played a full season at its whole. Like, So do you think we should be expecting him to miss games? Are the shoulder injuries a concern? Dalvin Cook is going as the running back five in drafts right now. Is that a fair price? Yeah, for Dalvin, the, the reality is just that, you know, when you draft him, you know what you're getting as far as missed games. Now, of course, any sort of major injury could happen to any of these guys. But yep. when you look at his overall profile, we should factor in probably a couple of missed games for Dalvin, not only based off of his career and what he's done, but also the fact that the shoulder issue is a real thing that's not going away um, anytime soon. And what is going on with the shoulder is that he's had a series of dislocations going all the way back to high school and college that we're now seeing kind of recur in the NFL. And every time that dislocation happens, you are more likely to have another one. And so, you know, it, it's such a tricky conversation because when he's on the field, like you could argue every week, he's a top two, top three, top four play weekly. And so we know what he can do for us. But when you take him, you just have to understand the shoulder issue is real. He is likely to have some issues with it in the future until his NFL career is over. Because unfortunately, Football is one of the highest sports for recurring shoulder issues. And with Dalvin, we know that's a real concern. And when it comes to shoulder issues in general, like what should we normally, like you said, factor in a couple missed games for Cook. Like when we talk about, like, let's say he, you know, dislocates his shoulder week one. Like, is that normally like a one to two week recovery? Is that normally like three to four weeks? So like, what should we be thinking about timeline wise? Most likely, like, let's say if he's for sure going to, you know, injure his shoulder again, which I hope he doesn't. What's usually the most likely like timeline for any kind of like shoulder dislocation? Yeah, typically what you'll see is for kind of a standard, you know, just regular uh, dislocation where it comes out the front. There's different variations of it, and some can be really serious and season-ending, as we saw with Juju last year. Yep. Sometimes it's a couple couple weeks, and they're back in there, as we've seen with Dalvin in his career. So if it is kind of one of those more 
you know, I don't want to say straightforward, but less severe <laughs> injuries, <Yeah. laughs> then, you know, we factor in that he's going to be out a couple of weeks. Now, at that point, though, the earlier in the season it happens, and you can't really predict that right now, but the earlier in the season that it happens, the more likely he's going to have more of them throughout the season. And the perfect example of this is Baker Mayfield from last year. We saw him have his shoulder dislocation on his left shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder. You know, he tried to rehab it, come back in, play for a couple of weeks, dislocated again a few weeks later. And then from then on out, it was kind of a lost cause. And so that's really the concern is if it would happen early in the season. You know, that said, we can't really predict that. And so it's kind of one of those tricky conversations because, um, again, his upside is so high, but you do know the risk is there for sure. Yeah, so my final question with Dalvin then is if he's going as the running back five right now in, in underdog drafts, are you are you taking him there? Or would you rather take someone else right after him, like a Najee or a Swift, Mixon, a guy like that? Yeah, I've taken a bunch of Dalvin. You know, I, I yeah. think he's a guy that I like to take at the back of round one. When you look at this offense and kind of how it's going to look this year as far as uh, the overall outlook of the team um, is pretty exciting. He also is a guy that's kind of pegged for major, major regression in a good way. In the touchdown department and so i, I want to buy into dalvin but again you know you just know that the risk is there but um i'm taking him in round one for sure awesome okay i love i love to hear that because i really want to be drafting some dalvin but it's definitely concerning but again grab some alexander madison late and you'll be in for even higher points per game when alexander madison is in and dalvin cook is out but another guy that's going you know even higher then, then Dalvin Cook is Derrick Henry, who was a running back four in underdog drafts. And he had a, a Jones fracture last year where he kind of fractured his foot. Does not sound like a fun injury when you have a heavy guy that has a, a foot you know, surgery. He has had a full offseason to recover. I mean, he made it back for the playoffs. And you know, he definitely wasn't at 100%. But now that he's had a full you know, six or seven months until the next games that start. So when it comes to Derrick Henry, should we have a lot of confidence in him being able to be, you know, the Derrick Henry that we all know and love? Or is for someone that's heavier, is those foot injuries a little bit more concerning? And the fact that he's 28 now and, you know, running backs 28 plus, usually the injuries have not been as kind to them overall. So where what should we be expecting for Derrick Henry this year? Yeah, I mean, if you're 28, you're, you're old as dirt. Yeah, it's a conversation that I think, is mostly around last year to this year. So when you look at when he returned on the field in the playoffs for the Titans, I mean, he definitely wasn't 100%. And if you watch him play, you could see him cut off of each foot differently and, and just not be able to put the same torque through that surgically repaired foot. But this is a, a fracture that in-season players kind of struggle to come back from because it takes time to load that bone so that it doesn't refracture. And if you come back too early, there's a really high risk of that refracture rate. But with a full offseason to heal, um, and in training, there's really no concern at this point. So I'm not changing how I evaluate Derrick Henry from an injury perspective this year because of his foot fracture. I am, however, you know, changing my outlook on him because of the fact that like you said, he's another year older. I talked about it with McCaffrey. He's that archetype that generally we see the decline, not just happen, you know, slowly, but literally fall off a cliff. And so I don't know if it's this year. It's probably not because he's so good, but maybe it is. And so kind of I'm using that as a tiebreaker when I'm on the clock in round one. Exactly. I think tiebreaker is a good way to put it because like, I, I want to fade Derrick Henry, but like it's Derrick Henry. If anyone is going to break all these trends, like it's Derrick Henry. It's a man that is yep. just like, unlike, He's already done it. yeah, exactly. He's a man. Unlike any other man that's played, you know, running back over the last decade or so. And again, he's a guy that never missed games over his first five years. So again, I'm with you. I think a tiebreaker is probably the best way to put it where you're not fading Derrick Henry, but you're between him and, and someone else. But I will ask though, you're on the clock right now, maybe a million dollars on the line. 
Dalvin <laughs> Cook or Derrick Henry at this moment in time, who are you taking? Yeah, I've actually had that scenario happen every time. Oh, I feel like on the back, not million dollars, but yeah, yeah, the back around one. I didn't know you played um, that much high stakes. <laughs> I'm always clicking the name Dalvin Cook over okay. Derrick Henry, and okay. it's because of the fact that I want that pass catching upside um, in an offense that I think, in general, when you look at the betting markets, people are excited about. And generally, I think the sharp money and sharper people in betting space are fading the Titans. And so, as a tiebreaker, give me Dalvin for sure. Awesome. Okay. So if Dalvin goes down with a shoulder injury in week one, you can find him at the fantasy PT. Make sure to send all your hate comments that way. No, I'm just kidding. You can send them my way. Say I had him on my show. I should have had a different guest and it's your fault. No, obviously I'm joking. I'm with you. I will also be taking Dalvin Cook right there. But I've been Derek Henry, another guy that's had a, a foot injury and is coming back and has yet to play an NFL snap, but is getting all the hype. One of my favorite players to draft. And maybe you're going to you know, take down my love if this is not a guy that we should be drafting coming off foot injury. And it's Travis Etienne. You know, he had a list Frank injury, but it was in August last year before the season actually started. So he's had a full year to recover. But I know foot injuries are just like not fun in general, especially for the running back type position. So with Travis Etienne, you know, should we be expecting him to really come back and like be the Travis Etienne of old that we've never seen on an NFL football field, but is super talented? Or should we be a little bit more wary of what he looks like in the first year coming off this foot injury? Yeah, he's, to be honest with you, he's a total enigma as far as what to expect from him because, you know, you think about round one draft capital and the hit rate of those running backs is so high. But you think about the organization and the team led by Urban Meyer and a questionable group of people leading that team last year that drafted him should he even have gone round one. Who knows? Yeah. And so there's that volatility associated with it. But then there's also the fact that you look at these Liz Frank issues and oftentimes what happens is there's about a 20% or so reduction in your in your production in the first year off the surgery the tricky issue with that is that we don't have any data from him in the nfl because he got hurt like you said in the preseason and so we know he was super productive at clemson is that going to translate into the nfl in essentially his rookie year we don't have any idea how good he truly is and so um, what's super interesting is that i was having this conversation with someone else the other day you could tell yourself that his third round adp is already baked into how good he could be and i I believe that's possible because of the draft capital, how good he was at Clemson, et cetera. Um, he can catch the football. But at the same time, you could say people are overvaluing how good he might be and not also factoring in the injury. And so you could say that the ADP is kind of out of control. So my stance based off of kind of how I would view this is if you're, you know, someone that's playing a bunch of best ball or something, like if you have the best of it with, with Travis Etienne, if you got him around five or around six early this summer, like I'm not taking more ETN in round three personally. I do have some shares of him when he was going a little bit later, but it's kind of a scary proposition to buy into, you know, a player like that coming off the injury, the unknown, the Jaguars still might not be good. Like who knows, right? So there's just enough risk in round three that um, I'm usually leaning wide receiver in that zone. Okay. That's that's really good to know. But with with that being said, though, with Travis ETN. How much does the impact of like someone like James Robinson coming back? I know I didn't put this on the sheet, so I'm, I'm going to throw this out. I think you're a smart guy. I think you can handle a James Robinson question. I'm sure you've answered before, but he's coming off, you know, an Achilles injury, which I know is probably like, dare I say, the like one of the most serious injuries you can possibly have as a as a football player or for a running back at least. So he's practicing in camp. He took a a handoff and he caught a pass in team drills for the first time now, which is absolutely amazing to see. So is James Robinson a threat to really be himself coming off an like Achilles injury 
for you know eating into Travis ATN's work, or do you think that you know it helps ATN, although he has injury questions as well, that you know James Robinson might not be you know completely a hundred percent. So what should we be expect from James Robinson, or do you think that he has a real chance to get a hundred percent healthy by the end of the year? Yeah, I think there's a chance that it happens by the end of the year. Uh, you know, I again I find it surprising that he'd be a hundred percent right out of the gate. Um, you know, and the reality is like we still have a lot of data showing that running backs do struggle off the injury and people will point to Cam Akers from last year and his recovery. And it was incredible, but we know he wasn't Cam Akers when he came back. Right. And, and so people need to understand that just because one player was able to get back on the field in just over, you know, five and a half months that the performance is going to take longer to get there. And so he definitely has longer than Akers did obviously with his recovery, but at the same time, we know it's going to take longer for him to reach performance. And so I often say, when you return to the field, it doesn't mean you return to your prior performance level. So I do think it takes time for Robinson to get back out there at 100%, you know, as far as his workload, as far as his effectiveness and all those sort of things. Um, you know, the report that was out there, I think it was today. Man, I love Roto World, but that headline was so misleading. If you just read the headline, it's going to tell you a lot of information and misinformation because it said is taking reps with the first team. And if you read the article, it basically said he was the only back that didn't take reps against contact or against defenders. It was with his first team teammates, but against air. And so I just want people to understand there's a little bit more room for him to go to get there. Not saying he can't get there by the end of the year, uh, but I'm not as rosy on his outlook early in the year compared to maybe some other people. That makes sense. Would it be a surprise to see him on the field week one playing in a game? I don't think so. I, you know, I think the, the new trend with this Achilles recovery, um, and I put this in an article last December when I was talking about cam Akers, is the surgical approach is starting to get a lot better over the course of the last couple of years where they used to do a, a big long incision on your Achilles and a much more, I guess, um, invasive procedure. You had to be put in a boot for a lot longer, but now what they're doing is they're making a smaller incision and they're sort of like reinforcing the tendon from above and below to kind of give it more strength so that you can start your rehab faster, not be in a boot as long. And they're looking at how that affects recovery and they're seeing players come back faster. It doesn't mean they're again, hundred percent, but they're getting back on the field faster. And so, yeah, I think there's a good chance James Robinson is active week one. Does he come out and get 20 carries? I would be shocked. Yep. No, I completely agree. Got to love those reinforced tendons. Hopefully they're oh, as reinforced as, as humanly possible. <laughs> I thought of that and I was like, I, I just have to say it. I know that sounds <laughs> but something about just saying you got to love reinforced tendons is exactly <laughs> why people tune into this podcast. So that being said, you also touched on Cam Akers, who made it back in, you know, probably the he's probably going to be in the 2023 or 2022 Guinness Book of World Records, you know, for returning to the NFL from an Achilles injury. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but I know he returned in around five months, which is unheard of, you know, and maybe it's that new surgery like you mentioned. So with that new surgery, with those strong tendons, as we talked about, and with Cam Akers having a lot more time than James Robinson and actually having played on the field now, do you have confidence that Cam Akers can be, you know, a really good player this year, or do you think that we should still be tempering our expectations because it is still an Achilles injury? Yeah, I think, you know, this is one of those conversations that, again, is all about risk and ADP. So if this was a back that was going in round two, it'd be an easy pass. But a lot of times he's going round four, and I've seen him in round five. And today I took him in round six because I am very willing to take the risk at that point, right, at that point of the draft. For a back who we know Sean McVay typically likes to use one running back. And when he uses one running back, it is an elite role for fantasy because of the snap count, the touches, etc. So looking at, you know, Akers last year 
if you're playing DFS, like in the playoffs, there was no way I was going to click the button on a back like that with the issue of coming off the Achilles so soon. But you go from rushing to get back on the field and not just back on the field, but like trying to go from not playing to jumping in in crunch time and like week 17, week 18 playoffs to now saying, okay, he has months and months and months of extra rehab and work to get strong and not just, you know, get right back on the field, but to actually get strong and perform better. So yeah, I think that's my long way to way of saying I'm okay with acres at cost. And if he goes past cost, like I'll definitely take some shots. There's some studies out there looking at year one and year two off the Achilles. If you're able to return in year one, there's some preliminary data showing it's actually pretty good for year two and year three beyond. So Okay. Um, again, he's a back that I'm okay taking. Just kind of overall looking at the risk associated with your roster again is kind of my my take on point. I like that. I like that. The other thing I want to note for people is that there are going to be people that are listening to this that are like, but guys, like Sean McVay said it'll be a running back by committee. I think it was DFB Encounter on Twitter that pulled a thing that McVay said there's going to be a committee every single year. And then they run running backs, like whoever the running back one is on that given game at some of the highest usage in the NFL. So could that change this year? Because Cam Akers is coming off an Achilles injury. Absolutely. But he's been saying this for four straight years and four straight years. We have not seen that committee just yet. Maybe this year is the year. But the last thing I wanted to ask you about Cam Akers real quick. We're talking about guys going in a similar ADP. Once again, $2 million on the clock this time. <laughs> a situation that you have probably faced so many times. Cam Akers. Travis Etienne are sitting on the clock. They're looking juicy. Who is the guy that you are taking in draft? Yeah, I think I think I lean Acres just because of the offense. Wow. You know, I right. think that's a team that you're going to get more touchdowns likely from. And like you said, the role has just been so elite for the Rams running back. So I think if I'm taking the shot, I'll embrace the risk with both guys, but you know, right. lean with the better offense. Would you take uh, Brees Hall over both of those guys? I think I would. I mean, the yeah. Becton injury right now is not great. Um, and still not a good offense, yeah. but you know, the hit rate again on those kind of top two round rookies and the dead zone rookies generally performing, you know, pretty well, um, is pretty compelling to say, at least you can eliminate some of the injury risk, but still understand like there's systemic risk because it's the jets. Uh, but I, I would still take Brees, I think. Amazing. 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 For anyone, for, for the three people that were listening to this, wondering who you were, cause I think most of you're very well known in this space. This is why we brought him on the show. Just amazing, amazing, amazing. I appreciate it. Two more players before we get into your flag plant. Start off with Michael Thomas. I know people have probably been waiting for the Michael Thomas since the beginning of the episode. Said feels like a lot of ankle surgeries, a lot of ankle issues. He's coming in camp right now, and all the beat reporters are saying that he's the old Michael Thomas, and he looks exactly like himself running on air in, in training camp. But we don't know exactly what we're going to see. It's been you know the last time he was on the field fully healthy, he was the wide receiver one in fantasy football, and he had the receptions record in the NFL at the time. And now it's two years later, and we haven't seen him on a football field fully healthy. So do you think that, for one, we could see him on the field fully healthy? And two, if he is fully healthy at this age, like do you think that he can still be a producer? And then three, I know I'm throwing a lot at you, Like, what is the realistic expectation for this guy when we haven't seen him produce at a high level in so long, but he still clearly has that elite-type talent? Yeah, again, Michael Thomas is one of the, I think, trickiest names to value in fantasy because of the fact that you know what he can do when he's right. But you also know, like, when he got injured, it was week one of 2020. And in the NFL, that is a lifetime ago in terms of what has changed. And when I look at Michael Thomas, you can't just factor in the injury to your conversation about Michael Thomas because there is no Drew Brees. There is no Sean Payton. 
Uh, Chris Olave is a very talented wide receiver. Jarvis Landry was brought in. Alvin Kamara will also get some out of the backfield. And so, you know, you could tell yourself that there's some risk with Michael Thomas, even if he was healthy from these last two years with all that has changed around him. So now you throw in this uncertainty of the ankle. Um, for me, it's a hard sell. And I know that there's a chance that that looks silly you know, at the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Thomas beats ADP because he's so talented. But when you look at all those things changing around him and the fact that he hasn't really been healthy in essentially two years when the NFL kicks off, that's a long time to recover, go through surgery, go through rehab and try to get right. And so, you know, again, he's a guy that I think can be serviceable and can be okay for us in fantasy, but anyone expecting like top 10 numbers or the old Michael Thomas, I just, it's, it's a hard sell for me. So if you told me you, you're taking him to be your wide receiver two and finishes the wide receiver 20, I buy it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I could not see a scenario where he returns to the old Michael Thomas. That makes sense. And at wide receiver 31 right now in, in drafts and or ADP is, do you think that he's a solid pick right now because of his potential? Like he's not going to be, you know, reset the reception record this year. I doubt with, with, you know, LASIK Jameis, but <laughs> do you think that he can at least take a big leap and really finish like inside the top 15 and maybe creep inside the top 12 somehow? I just don't see it personally. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I think it's possible. It's just, likelihood i think it's pretty low and so when i'm on the clock and he's there again he's only a guy that i've taken when he's dropped past adp and so again i guess if i'm using kind of how i draft he's not a guy that i'm targeting personally yep so again if michael thomas is comes back to the old time michael thomas the fantasy pt on twitter <laughs> you, you know where to if go he has a top five season i will be deceased okay exactly exactly he'll just transition into the new career as a full-time <laughs> dad of two twins and and go for it right. but the final player that i'd like to talk about today this one is has some has some people up in a while that's it's changing adp on different platforms all over the place i probably should have put him in the intro but it's matthew stafford you know, this guy has literally played through like basically getting hit by a bus and having no function in his body, you know, and, and basically is out there on a, on a wheelchair per se in some games, but he's dealing with this arm tendonitis. So how serious is arm tendonitis? Should that be something that we should be worrying about? Should we be fading any of these pass catchers? Or do you think that this is just a total like non-issue and it's being overblown as long as they manage his practice reps right? Yeah, so I guess the real conversation with this injury is we have to go back to last year when he started dealing with it and yeah. kind of what happened through the course of the summer. And so there was a report that he got a quote-unquote injection for his pain, and we found out later the reality is that he got what's called PRP, platelet-rich plasma injection, to try to help accelerate kind of the healing process of that tendon. Clearly, it didn't work. He's still dealing with the issue. So this is not something that's going to go away in a week or two weeks or three weeks, this is probably going to be something he deals with over the course of the season. Now, that doesn't mean he can't be effective, and it doesn't mean that it's going to be a concern for us in fantasy. What I do think happens is that we're seeing the same pattern as we're seeing right now throughout the year. Obviously, this team is, again, looking to contend for a Super Bowl. You know, they're not going to try to get him out there at full throwing reps on Wednesday or maybe even Thursday of practice if they don't have to. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a ton of Michael or Michael <laughs> Matthew Stafford <laughs> talking about Michael Thomas, Matthew Stafford on the Rams injury report okay. weekly this year kind of thing. But it doesn't change necessarily how I'm viewing him. Um, yeah. You know, I put this out there on Twitter the other day. Like it's enough of a, a small, you know, tiebreaker again. Like if you're on the clock and you want an elite wide receiver, like, Okay, take Justin Jefferson over Cooper Cup if you want to try to mitigate some of the risk, but I'm not downgrading him a ton with what's going on. I think the other question that I have on that though is like, 
and I don't know how how much this is a, a factor or how serious these like arm tendonitis type things is, but I think the other thing that I as a fantasy manager and I'm sure others is wondering for is like how much worse can it get? Because like he's played through a lot of injuries, as we know. This guy is like the ultimate warrior from what any teammate who's played with him says. So is this mostly something that you know is a pain tolerance thing, or is this something that if he continues to throw on it, that like he could have something more serious happen? Yeah, this is mostly a pain tolerance issue okay. with how they're going to manage it. Um, you know, it, it can get worse. Don't get me wrong. Like if they're out there pushing him Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Sundays with throwing, like it definitely can get worse as the year goes on. But I think what they're trying to do right now is really control the variables that they can so that that, that doesn't happen in the future. That's so, you know, again, it, it can get worse. I'm not projecting it necessarily to. And so that's why I was kind of saying I'm not changing a ton about how I'm evaluating uh, Stafford and the Rams. Awesome. Absolutely love to hear that. My final question for you today before we get out of here is your 2022 flag plant. We ask every single guest on the show their boldest prediction. doesn't have to be. I'm not asking you to predict who's the big running back that gets hurt this year or anything crazy like that. It's just a general fantasy flag plant here. So what is your bold prediction flag plant for this year? Bets the floor is yours. I don't know. how. To, I, there's a lot of ways I want to go with this. I don't know what the best direction is, but when I was coming prepping for the show, I wanted to talk about Aaron Jones and kind of saying like in round two, I'm clicking the button on Aaron Jones almost every time. But that's not really a bold prediction. It's just that I'm bullish on him. The outlook with the splits without Devontae Adams are insane. And people want to chase, you know, Romeo Dubs or Al, uh, Alan Lazard's ADP is out of control. Like it's going to flow through the running backs. And so I want Aaron Jones. I want AJ Dillon if I don't have Jones. But my spicy kind of hot take in terms of how I want to, you know, leave the show is that I think Amon Ross St. Brown is the real deal. And I do think he finishes a top 15 wide receiver. Yeah. Simply do not do what he did down the stretch if you're not a good wide receiver in the NFL. And I the the real argument for him, and people will say, like, look who was out. You know, there was no Swift, there was no Hawkinson, you know, all these things. And that's definitely real. And I'm not saying it doesn't count, but when you're drafting him, you're not drafting him to be the wide receiver too, like he was down the stretch. You're drafting him at an ADP of around 30-ish on, on underdog or on, on sleeper, he's even later, to finish as like the wide receiver 15. And if he does that, he's going to be a, a big part of winning rosters this year. And I think he can definitely do that. This is like as, as pro Amon Ra of a podcast as there, there possibly could be. Like, it, it's just I, I completely love him. Again, he was the wide receiver five in fantasy for a half a season. Not four games or five games or six games, like a literal half a season where the first half he was a rookie, second half he was the wide receiver five behind the guys that finished all in the top four, Jefferson, Adams, Cup, and Debo Samuel. Like it's ridiculous to me. Again, like neither of us are sitting here saying that Amon Ra is going to be like the wide receiver five or better again. No, he's going as the wide receiver 30 people. Like he is a lock to finish in the top 10. Like he is going to get better. This offense will get better. Yes, there is more competition, but you know, great players command targets. We see it all the time where guys step into the number one role and just like can't command any more targets. Great players command great targets. Monroe St. Brown, we're catching a lot of targets for this year, but Matthew, Matt, I still don't know what to call you every time you come on the show, <laughs> but where can the people find you and your work? You do so much amazing stuff. I think you are absolutely one of the best follows on Twitter for more than just injuries for DFS for all your fantasy football needs it is one of the best places to go. Or if one of your guys gets injured, <laughs> you can also go there. I'm kidding. Once again, thank you for being a good sport, but where can the people find you? 
Yes, don't be afraid to reach out, whether it's it's good or bad. It's all good. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Fantasy PT. And then as far as you know, my work and everything, uh, that's all with the fantasy footballers. So we're ramping up towards DFS season. So I host the DFS podcast, um, writing in the DFS pass each week. And then as well for the Patreon community that they have, I do an injury blitz podcast, which is the title. Comes out on on Friday evenings, kind of looking at the week that was for the practice reports and kind of what you need to know to get you ready for Sunday. Love that. Super, super amazing, just like you and all of your content. But as always, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And for you listeners, we appreciate you listening along with us, talking injuries and fantasy football all year round, two episodes a week. Don't forget, you can find us every Tuesday and Friday of every week from now all the way through the end of the fantasy football season. But as always, you guys already know, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.